0: Ask be be humble enough to ask for help, mm. you know. And well, there's it's that's twofold. So right. humble, being humble and humility is, is goes goes both ways. So ask people for help. Don't ever think that you know everything. Or there's, you know, you can always go out to your network and ask people for help. It's the first thing of being humble. Then the second thing of being humble is be able to take criticism in terms of what you've built and people poking holes at it.
1: Hey everybody this is Devin Miller here with another episode of the Inventive Journey and I am your host Devin Miller the serial entrepreneur that has grown uh several companies to seven and eight figure uh, businesses as well as uh been the or done uh founded Miller IP Law where we focus on helping startups and small businesses and so today on the uh, podcast we have another great guest Ray McKenzie and I'll let uh, Ray talk a little bit more about himself in just a minute but uh Ray is uh, the founder of uh, Starting Point, that uh, helps uh, customer service management be simplified. And also, uh, he before that he was uh, worked or he went to ba- or San Diego State, um, worked for a few different companies, had an offer to do a biocheck company in the Bay Area, and then the company was going to go down in a ball of flames. And so he decided to switch paths and uh, do a bunch of whole uh, a whole bunch of exciting things along the way. So um, with that short introduction, Ray, welcome on to the podcast, Ray.
0: All right. Hi, Devin. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to uh, talk to you and talk to your audience.
1: So I gave a very brief introduction, but uh, I'm sure it didn't do near the amount of justice that it could have. <laughs> so with that, why don't you, you uh, take and uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, what brought you to where you're at today?
0: All right. Sounds good. So thank you for that. So I'm from a small town called Alwater, California. Um, it's in the Central Valley of uh, California near like Fresno or so. Um, And then I went to San Diego State and studied management information systems, which is the business side of computers for the most part. Uh, And then after school, uh, moved to the Bay Area in Silicon Valley or what was what became Silicon Valley for the most part in the early 2000s and um, worked with a couple of early stage startups. Um, I joined one early stage startup. So, you know, after the biotech disaster, which is, you know, and, and, and a career changing idea for me. Um, or experience, uh, moved to uh, another internet infrastructure startup. We were wildly successful. I was extremely young. Um, we took that over the course of the next four years to be from being in the red to being in the black. And then we were able to be successfully acquired by a company out had not Washington, D.C. Hmm. Worked with that company for another four years in various different types of roles. Um, then walked across the street to their competitor, who was also in, in internet infrastructure and cybersecurity. In um, cyber intelligence, then worked with them for another three years, and then my wife and I we decided, hey, you know Jump, we're jumping we are to. Just
1: for a half a second, so you <laughs> had walking across the street to the competitor. One, yes. I can't imagine that the current employer is probably happy, but maybe they were. You know, maybe it was layoffs or other thing. Well, what made you decide to walk across the street to the competitor?
0: Um, with the with the original company I was with, I was part of the executive team of the company that I got acquired. And so I was the last one to actually leave the company who acquired us. And it was more so just career growth. It wasn't a layoff. It wasn't anything of that nature. It was just, okay, I'm, I'm ready to do something new, ready to do something a little bit more exciting. And a friend of mine contacted me and said, hey, you know, we're, we're building something across the street. Um, would you like to come? And I was like, hey, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's build something new. Let's have some fun. And so uh, joined that company, uh, built that company up in terms of its products and services and and support and service delivery and a lot of different roles. Uh, And then we eventually were either the one number one or number two in our product category of what we were what we were providing companies. Uh, And then over over the course of this time, my career spanned anything from support and service, um, professional services, account management. Um, sales engineering, um, business operations, business strategy. And, you know, I got exposure to a lot of different roles at a really young age, doing a lot of different funding and exciting things, and then growing and working with some amazing people. Hmm. Um, over that time, you know, I was traveling quite a bit, traveling, uh, uh, I'd say, every two weeks somewhere different. So San Francisco to Washington, D.C., somewhere in between. Um, there were a lot of different things. that I had team members all over the world. Um, probably let it uh, I think at the highest amount uh, gosh I was had a, a department of 500 full-time headcount across the world and so um, from there just continuing to look for new challenges and new opportunities um, and then my wife and I at this point we have four kids um, our oldest son was starting to play a lot of basketball so we took an opportunity to move to Los Angeles Um, a company hired me to do global strategy and service delivery. Uh, And so next thing you know, I'm flying from Los Angeles to Belgrade, Serbia, to um, Frankfurt and Munich to London uh, every month.
1: I'm going to jump back just a little bit just because you jumped over what it it sounds like. And so you had and I think you said you have three boys and one girl. I don't remember when we talked about three
0: boys, three boys, one girl. Yes.
1: All right. You're just the opposite of me. So we got one boy and three girls. (laughs) Both of them have their pros and cons and their uh, (laughs) bad things. And uh, but at least at least you got a mix of both. So or was into basketball, so was it really, hey, I want to provide a different life for the son, want to provide the basketball career, so that's when you moved to L.A. was what we talked about, or is it you were wanting to a career shift, or was it all of the above, or kind of, you know, because that seems like, you know, kudos to you as a father, but it just seems like it's a big career jump to move to L.A. to make, to provide that opportunity, not saying good, bad, or different, but just thought that was an interesting point of a reason for the career shift.
0: Yeah, it was. um, I'd say the career shift was uh, 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 Sarah combined a lot of different decisions or choices, you know. Mm. So, um, you know, my son wanting to pursue basketball was a big thing, which is on the West Coast. If you want to play good basketball, Southern California is kind of the center of it. Mm. Okay, so that was an aspect of that. Then another aspect was do we really want to live where we live in the Bay Area? We had been there 13 years. you know, we kind of wanted some different things in our life. I wanted to live near a beach. Um, and so Southern California provided that option for us. Um, we also have family down here in Southern California. For a lot of family, a lot of friends. I went to school at San Diego State. My wife went to Cal State Northridge. So it was, it was probably a good time for us to get around family, friends again, and, and really start to grow that. Um, and then I also wanted to get to a smaller company. So I was working with another public company. I wanted to get back to a smaller company to pursue innovation, change, excitement. Uh, You know, new products, new companies, things are moving faster. Um, It was, it was, I just wanted more innovation within my career. And the way to get that innovation was going to a smaller company.
1: All right. So then you make, the, you make the transition, you make the leap, you provide the smaller company, you have a change in career, make more of an impact, allow for the, the sun to be able to be in the epicenter of basketball and all of that good things. And then I think you said is, you know, so you made that job or jump, and then you made at one point you were flying back and forth were in Europe, and you, and you had kind of, I don't know, I guess what I'd call an epiphany after that, you know after you yeah. flew back and uh, were walking on the beach, maybe jump into and provide a little bit more on that.
0: Yeah, so uh, we ended up, you know, relocating to Los Angeles for an opportunity um, with a a great company, with great people. Um, Here in Los Angeles, we live in Redondo Beach, so we were able to kind of get that beach life as part of Mm -hmm. things that were happening. So we moved to, um, we moved out here and then I was going to Eastern Europe and then Western Europe and LA once a month. Um, Mm -hmm. I have four kids. I have a wife. I like I, I like and love them I go kind of want to think they like and love me and so it was one of those things to where that that travel schedule was pretty hectic because I'm gone for seven to ten days at a time and so I flew back from Europe um, and this goes to the epiphany experience go fly back from Europe I go to lunch in, in Hermosa Beach at Tuesday at one o'clock Los Angeles is a very different culture Um, next thing you know, I get out there and at one o'clock, uh, gosh, people are out there happy as ever acting like they have nowhere to be, but they're definitely handling business and they're able to afford this kind of lifestyle. Hmm. And so that, that piqued my interest, which was, I've worked in San Francisco. I've worked in Washington, DC. I've worked in New York. I've worked in Chicago, worked in a lot of different areas. And, you know, if you're in a corporate environment, it's kind of one of those things where you're up at seven in the morning working and you you end working at seven at night. And so I was always in search of, okay, what's the better quality of life? And so while I was at lunch, I started to have conversations with just random strangers like, hey, what do you do for a living? What allows you to be out here at Tuesday at 1 p.m. with nowhere to be? And it all came down to, you know, I got various answers in the space, but it all bubbled up into running your own company or running your own firm. Mm. And so with that, I left that lunch saying, I want to start my own company. Mm. Okay. And then actually verbalized that and said, I want to start my own company. And so as I said that, so I, I kept thinking about
1: going. Just because it's inter- so when you walked up to strangers, how did that conversation start? Of Hey, you don't know me, but. Why are you here instead of at work? Or how did you you have that conversation?
0: Well, it was more so sitting at the bar of restaurants. Mm. You know, and and sitting at the bar and having something to eat and, and having that conversation, just striking up a random conversation, whether it be about sports or current events or, hey, you know, finding something in common, just, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, they're asking me what I do for a living. And so I ask it back. And so that led me to get those answers from, a, a group of people.
1: All right. That makes much more sense. In my mind, I always walk, saw you walking around the beach and seeing random people saying, so I, I, what, what allows you to be here at uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock the <laughs> not at work? I, I need to work. Why are you not working? You know, that, that makes more sense. So, All right.
0: And so from there, um, I left lunch and I said, hey, I want to start my own company. This is that path. A week later, I got calls from two CEOs and executives of companies Mm. And, you know, they were like, hey, we need your help. Our companies are growing and scaling. Um, Do you think you could take on a couple of projects? Mm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm still working full time with this company I'm here with in Los Angeles, but yeah, let's do it. Mm. And so I did that for the next, I did both of those for the next six months. And at the end of the first six months, I was like, this is really what I want to do. This is the next phase. And that's how I started my consulting from Red Beach Advisors. And Red Beach Advisors is a technology management consulting group focused on strategy, operational efficiency, and digital transformation. And so it started with corporate strategy, market strategy, and go-to-market strategy for companies. And then on the operational efficiency side, it's all based around Lean, Six Sigma, Agile methodologies project management, product management within companies. And then you get digital transformation through technologies, which is going into companies and kind of transforming their environments to utilize um, technologies that can benefit them either in cybersecurity, um, cloud computing, or maybe even injecting some software as a service initiatives to create efficiency. Um, And so I started that about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and you know, you go through your ups and downs in terms of having a company and starting a company And in year one, I had clients and customers in year two, I've taught myself how to sell. Um, because I, you know, I started my company with clients, so it was completely different. I, I created it out of a need for other people. So I didn't create it thinking, Hey, I just think this is something people want, or I want to start a company. I created my company out of need and I'll bring that forward. And so um, year two was teaching myself how to really sell, how to pursue, how to develop contract or how to develop relationships, how to develop contracts, um, partnerships. Year three was great. Year four was great. Year five has been fantastic as well. Um, And then fast forward to starting point and kind of how starting point kind of came to be, Mm. is I needed a tool within my consulting firm to where I could manage internal uh, requests from customers, clients, small businesses, uh, medium-sized companies, and even some of our larger clients, and then also be able to have that visibility for communication across my team. So consultants that were working for my consultancy firm and how they were engaging with clients and customers. And so from there, I I kept thinking about this idea. And I had this on a notepad for two years. Like, I need this tool. I need a tool. And I kept out looking out there to like, hey, what kind of tool would help me do this within my company that was affordable? We're a small business. It doesn't need to use IT to development resources. Mm. It's easy to implement and it's efficient. You know, I've seen a lot of tools that are out there that are you know, you kind of need to be a 70, 60, 70% developer or engineer to be able to use it. Or you when need you're to-
1: You're the worst type. I always, I'm in complete agreement in the <laughs> What astounds me, it, it took me a little while to figure it out or, you know, and to understand it is, you know, a lot of times when you look at, you know, whatever the tool is, especially in software, making something simple is a lot harder than making it complex or adding, having a whole bunch of features. So making it that intuitive, easy, simple, oftentimes you want to say, oh, we need to add in all these features. We need to add in all this complexity. We need to add in all these abilities to customize And, and not sometimes you don't need some of those things, but you get it to be so complex that almost to your point, you have to be a developer just to understand it. And then the common person is saying either one, it's way too much work to try and figure it out and use it or two, I can't even get it what I need to. And I just want it to do X. And so I completely agree with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and, and the goal is building a simple and efficient tool that companies can use, service-based companies and teams can use. And so as I was building it, and once again, that goes back to building something or structuring something out of need. I needed it for Red Beach Advisors. So now I've got a tool that does exactly what I wanted to do for my firm and my company in a simple and efficient manner. We launched it May May 15, 2020, um, so it's relatively new, you know, 45 days in. Um, we obviously have customers now, so it's great. Um, going through the process of building it was an, an, an interesting journey. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it's exciting. And it leads back into innovating, um, developing a tool out of need for that I saw that I needed within my own company. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going through the journey.
1: So you did that. So you launched it. You've been in what forty-five days ish from when you launched, or you know, a month and a half or so. So you know, because I always wondered. And we're actually in a, in, a, in a similar path. To developing one of the companies I'm a part of is on the legal industry, but you know, it's it's one where there's a lot of kind of you know you have a lot of project management tools out there, and you know, but there's something or something specific for the legal industry. And there's really about three or four providers all of which in my mind are just terrible. And then, you know, just don't have, <laughs> most, most of them look like they were made in the 1990s and they've never updated. Them. And, then there's, and so they're just all horrible. So we actually are a little bit in the same process out of a need for needing to have a much better project management system within the legal system. We're creating something internally. And then you gonna say, hey, well, if we need it, Other people likely need it and it's probably applicable in the marketplace. So now I'm trying to glean off of your experience. So going to launch that, taking a tool that you needed internally, you're always looking for, really wasn't out there and then turning around and selling it. What are the lessons learned or how have you gone about approaching that to actually get that out of the marketplace, get people to be interested and do that? Is it using natural, you know, your network or people, you know, in the industry, is it making cold calls or how have you gone about launching in the last 45 days?
0: I, you know, man, it, I'll, I'll tell you this, starting, taking a product to market, since it's completely different than my, it, my experience with Red Beach Advisors, my consulting company, mm. for starting point, that was extremely challenging, you know, because you, you're also, you're always fighting that perfectionism and that idea that, is Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Mm. Is it ready? And that's always a challenge Um, for us. You know, what I did to kind of come together with this idea was obviously I had the idea for myself, but I also went out to 150 different other service based companies or teams and and pulled them as to, hey, what are you using? What features do you need? What problems do you have? What challenges do you need to solve? And in going through a lot of that research, that just general market research of people I know across companies, clients of mine, vendors of mine, it all came down to one thing, which is client and service management. That was a challenge for all of them, which is we've got a lot of communication coming from a lot of different areas. We need to solve these challenges. And we're a small team, but we need tools that are simple for us to use. And so I was like, okay, we'll do that. That's what we'll build. And so that created the initial demand for it. Then as we went forward and kind of structured a team, I started to really lean on people that I knew a long time in my lifetime. So mm. that professionally and personally, uh, you know, I've always been a person that's always held relationships very close. Um, in terms of friendships and professional relationships, personal relationships and checking in on people and just following people movement and making sure people are okay. And Mm. so I have a wide network of individuals I've been able to, you know, develop a a great relationships with. Um, And so I've been able to develop a team of 10, 10 people. Mm. um, And that's myself, my head of sales, my head of engineering. I've known my head of sales 20 plus years. I've known my head of engineering for since seventh grade. Um, Another, uh, uh, one of my operations platform leads. I've known through another client that I managed on the on the consulting side. And then my sales team is all through people I've known throughout my career. Mm. Um, and to a certain extent, a benefit of the pandemic is they're going through periods where they're looking for different opportunities in terms of sales, leadership, and really the ability to get involved at the ground level with a company that's Providing a, a tech solution, a software as a service solution that's out there, um, and so I built the team and then obviously the components of of moving the product to market were challenging. you know you've got a lot of steps you know you've got your corporate steps you've got um, strategy, you've got pricing, you've got marketing, you've got product development, you've got product support you've got all of those things that you've got to tie together along with the infrastructure and operational aspect of it that you got to manage like mm. you don't want to say here's something that's in the market and then you sell it to somebody and then it immediately crashes and burns <laughs> like that's not what you want to happen but that process of getting to that point just it took it took a while it took a while and it took a lot of hours to get it to that point so you know if you really want to focus on building a product or inventing something it's going to put in a lot a lot of work you know and your first version is never going to be perfect yeah you know however it does need to be useful and serve its purpose for people who are paying customers
1: yeah, no, and I'm in, in uh, complete agreement with you. And I, I think that, you know, you always hear, I think it's the old cliche, or maybe it's just the one that I've heard is, you know, perfect or perfect is the enemy of good, right? In the sense that if you're always striving for perfection, you're never going to launch a product. It's never going to go anywhere. You're going to either burn through cash reserves, you're going to burn through that. And so, you know, I always I always hate the word minimally viable product because in my mind, it always means I'm going to put out <laughs> the crappiest product as quick as I can and see if people <laughs> will pay me for it. But I think that, you know, I always go with the maximally viable product, which means understand your constraints, how much money you have, how many resources you have, how quickly you have to get to market, and then say, what can we reasonably do to get the best product out within that amount of time, which is yeah is makes more sense to me. But I, I certainly get that. And I liked how you kind of highlighted that, you know, what you did was you take a lot of the people you met over your career, you made connections with, you were comfortable with, you knew that their skills and their talents, and you're saying, okay, if I'm going to build a team... I'm going to go with the people, one, that I trust, two, that I know that will do a good job, and three, that I have a good relationship with, and that's how you're going to build a team, which I think uh, lays a good groundwork or ground foundation for success, so. Well, as we, yeah. as we start to get towards the end of the pod, there's always a whole bunch more things that we can talk on and uh, never have enough time, but as we start to get to the end of the podcast, I always have two questions I always ask, and so maybe we'll jump over to those now. So the first question I always ask is, what was the worst business decision you ever made?
0: Gosh, I'd say, the, oh, the worst business decision,
1: oh, oh, you're
0: easily joining that biotech company early mm. in my career. You know, I, I took an opportunity directly out of college with an a education company, um, which was actually a Michael Milken company, so if you're not familiar with his story, look up his story. Um, and then I got a job, I, got, I was extremely young, and I took a job opportunity with a biotech company for $2,000 more annually. mm and, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, biotech is the new wave, such, 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 let's let's go. I don't know anything about biotech. I don't know anything about pharmaceuticals. I was obviously in their IT department, and I made that jump. And while it was the worst business decision I made because the company eventually went under, um, it taught me a ton of lessons. So it did... Serve dual purpose, but that was probably the worst decision I made at the time, I want to say. Right. And so, you know, whereas typically in my network, I, I meet a ton of people. There are a lot of people inside the company. You know, uh, it, it just, it's it's streamed, It's It's made me stay away from biotech and pharmaceuticals in every aspect of my entire career.
1: All right. No, I think that That's a, you know, and sometimes it's enticing either because of the startup nature or the, you know, the technology they're in or the extra pay bump or whatever, but it's sometimes you jump in too quickly or you don't bet. And sometimes you just have to learn those lessons of, hey, I thought this was a great idea. And sometimes there aren't any flags on the forefront. Nothing you would have changed or you would have known beforehand, but it's one of those that you can learn a, a lesson along the way. So, All right. So as we jump in now to the second question I always ask which is if you're talking with uh, somebody that's just getting to a startup, just getting into a small business and getting going, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: Um, ask, be, be humble enough to ask for help. Mm. You know, and uh, well, there's, it's, that's twofold. So right. uh, humble, being humble and humility is, is, goes, goes both ways. So ask people for help. Don't ever think that you know everything or there's, you know, you can always go out to your network and ask people for help. It's the first thing of being humble. Then the second thing of being humble is be able to take criticism in terms of what you've built and people poking holes at it because Mm. those people will help you build a better product. And so you know when people are arrogant about the product they've built or their concept they don't really ask for help on one side and that's challenging because if you don't ask for help everybody needs help everybody you know everybody needs help that's why you build a team that's why you have advisors that's why you you know maybe you want to go raise money from people and and work with people like yourself devin and lawyers who, who know more you need help you know and then on the second side when you do start showing your product to people or you do start showing your idea or your vision to people, be willing and able to take criticism. Mm. And so you have to be humble and have some level of humility to say, open yourself up to say, Hey, I want to show this to you, rip it apart. Mm. and Give me your your, your, your toughest feedback, toughest critique and be willing to take that in internalize that and use that and then put it back into your product to improve it. Those would be, that would be my advice for anybody. I've, oh gosh, it's been a struggle, you know, just in terms of I built my consulting firm how I wanted to build my consulting firm, but building a product for other people to use is a completely different experience and everybody has a different point of view, but you do need that external feedback.
1: No. And I think that's good. I mean, and I think what people realize, you may not take all the feedback. You may not agree with all the feedback, and some of it may just be wrong or not be or miss, but be to be able to be open to take that feedback take that criticism and be exactly. able to incorporate the good parts or the things that will improve the product that will make things better I think is an attitude that you, you need to learn because if you're so closed off of hey I know how to do this hey I know you know I don't need any feedback don't need any help then you're going to get in your spot in a position to where you're deaf to what the needs of the market is to what the clients are customers are and you're not listening to how you can improve and make things better so I think that's a uh, definitely uh, a good or some good lessons to learn of asking for help as well as being. Uh, yep. Now it's not easy to take criticism. You it's have to still yourself, <laughs> especially if you've been working on something for months or years and you put in a ton, a ton of blood, blood, sweat mm-hmm. and tears, and then somebody pokes a hole in there that you just, they it, it's true and you know you need to you need to fix it and you need to do it but it's really hard to say no it's fine like i don't need to fix that and so you have to still yourself before you ask for the criticism but i think it's something that once you if there is a hole that needs to be plugged it's much better to know about it than not so
0: yeah exactly you hit, you hit the nail on the head
1: so all right well as we wrap up so if people want to um Want to reach out, they want to get to know more about Starting Point, they want to make any connections, they want to invest, they want to be hired on, they want to talk with you, they want to be a customer, any of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you?
0: Definitely. The best way to reach out to me, you'll find me on LinkedIn, uh, Raymond McKenzie, um, founder and CEO of Starting Point, and Starting Point is all one word. Um, you can go to our website, www.startingpoint.ai. Um, And you'll find all of our contact information collateral. You can request a demo, you know, and and call us if you need to. Um, And those are kind of the best ways to follow us and reach out to me. And once you reach out to me, obviously, we'll be able to set up some time to talk. If you need advice, if you want to see the product, if you, you know, want to do a demo, if you're interested in utilizing the product for your company, um, or if you just, you know, want to start to develop the relationship between us, feel free to reach out to me and and we'll schedule some time to talk.
1: Well, awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out to you, get to know the product more, get to know you more, and you have a a fun story to tell and always, uh, again, wish we had more time to tell it. Um, But appreciate you coming on. It's been fun to hear your journey. Appreciate the advice and the lessons learned and, uh, for those of you that are uh, wanting to now tell your journey that you have a good journey to tell and would like to apply to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to reach out to us at, at uh, inventivejourneyguest.com and you can apply to uh, be on the, ep- or on the podcast. And for those of you that are listeners that are want- listening to this episode and want to make sure that you catch all the future episodes and the new ones coming down, uh, make sure to subscribe to the, subscribe to the podcast. And lastly, if you need any help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Well, Ray, it's been fun to have you on. It's been a, a, an interesting and fun to hear your journey. Wish you the next leg of your journey, as well as uh, the past legs have been, and uh, look forward to seeing how things go for you. Uh,
0: definitely. Thank you for having me on the podcast, Devin. Um, appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure meeting you as well. Pleasure talking to your audience and uh, looking forward to uh, you know the developments on both sides of our companies.
1: All right.